Good morning, everyone. It is great to have you and it is good to see you on this summer day as we continue in Jericho Walls, our summer series. We're well over the halfway point as we work our way through. And believe it or not, you know, we're kind of sitting maybe in the middle of July here and, and getting through our summer. I trust that whether you're joining us online or whether you're in the house, you're having a great summer. And thanks for being in the house of the Lord as we uh, continue our series in the book of Joshua on courage. And, and I just want to take a minute to thank you for many of you took the neighborhood challenge to try to have somebody over this summer to just be an encouragement to them. Maybe some of you have invited somebody over in the church. I'm hearing of small groups getting together and calling them super groups um, for burgers and dogs and things like that. And it's good to know that we're getting out there and making sure people know who we are and, uh, and show the love of Jesus Christ in our neighborhoods. For in our neighborhoods, there are many walls that have been built up over the past couple years and in our lives. And we're hoping to knock some walls down with the love of Jesus Christ. And, and that's one of the ways that we've attacked each sermon. We've been talking about some things of just growing up in the neighborhood, you remember. And um, our opening illustration this morning, I want to leverage a, a slogan that I remember uh, being... Oh, but when I was in high school, it getting really popular. I'm going to date myself with a slogan getting really popular when I was in high school. But... Um, I grew up back in the 1900s, young people, and, um, and especially as I was getting older, uh, there was this guy who played for the Chicago Bulls who wore a pair of black and red and white Nikes that, that um, are now way more expensive than even when I was in high school uh, to own, and that guy was Michael Jordan, and I mean, he, he took what was called the Nike brand and blew it up into all sorts of things, and, and at that time, there weren't that many sneakers, but sneakers all of a sudden became huge. Huge. And I remember asking my mom and dad for a hundred dollar pair of shoes. Any sneaker collectors here? I spent a hundred dollars. You're like, I spent a thousand dollars on a pair. Like, like sneakers now have unbelievable prices, especially some of the retro ones and things like that. But man, I wanted a pair of shoes. I remember begging my mom for Bo Jackson's. See, some of you are staying with me. But a slogan came out that very same time, around that area, and it got really popular. And all I have to say is say, just do it. And you remember exactly what I'm talking about. And that slogan became so popular, it was being leveraged at that time. Now you're like, that slogan's like so old. But at that time, it was like really, oh, just do it. And there was all these commercials being run about it. And that was the same slogan I used to encourage a young man who was high-functioning but had special needs at a camp I worked at to get in a canoe and go down the river, something he was terrified to do it. I said, man, you gotta just do it. You've just gotta do it. And, and he's like, I don't know. And the other, other camp directors were like, I'm not sure we should even take him. He gets nervous, he gets excited, he's a big guy, and, and we have no ideas what could happen. And you know, I kind of felt pretty confident with my ability as someone who can handle a canoe. You say, really? Actually, my dad grew up in his life, canoeing was a major part of our family. And so he would take me canoeing a lot. Um, and if you haven't seen these things, because we're in a kayak world, they're bigger, okay? And, and, and I would do a lot of these things, and I was up, and I went to Canada and did these trips in Algonquin and all sorts of things. We portaged or portaged, whatever you want to call it. And we did all these things with canoes. And so I was pretty familiar with the canoe. And I said, you know what? I'll take him. And so for the sake to kind of protect his name, I'll call him Jeffrey today, okay? And so he jumped 
in the canoe with me. And now he was like 6'2", six, 6'3", six, he's a bigger kid and um, much bigger than me. And you normally don't want that in the front. But I felt pretty confident I could get this kid down. I said, man, just do it. We're gonna do this. You're gonna get to experience what it's like. And I had one goal, get this guy down the river. Not tell him about the one area of rapids, it was to get him down the river. I mean, what could go wrong with a 21-year-old director in the back of a canoe, right? I mean, what could he possibly do wrong? But, but I encouraged him, hey, you gotta do this. I want you to see this. And so everybody was pretty confident that Chris was gonna take him down. The group went out in front of us. We kind of took the rear, and I was gonna navigate Jeffrey down the river. And it was hard to keep with the group because he liked to look at the scenery instead of paddle. And he'd just be looking around and say, hey, you got paddle, bud. And we paddle, he's an extremely strong kid, nicest kid in the world, wonderlust for life, just big joy in his face, but he loved to look at the birds and he loved to keep paddling, bud, we gotta keep with the group. And so we would go working down and I'd start teaching them some of my knowledge of how to do a canoe. If you're a little more advanced, I'm teaching them the J-stroke. I'm saying if we ever counter any kind of rapids, we're gonna make sure we paddle through. And sure enough, we got to the spot that I didn't wanna tell him about, but this would be the part where his faith would be tested. And what, what happened is, we went from the slogan, just do it, to just have faith. Just have faith, all right? We're gonna be okay, but just trust me. Now I wanna teach you just a little bit of knowledge about faith. Faith is only as strong as the object you place it in. So, if your dad's driving you somewhere, teenager, and you don't trust dad, Faith is only as strong as the object you place it in, right? Now, if you're in the back of a canoe and you don't trust the guy in front of you or vice versa, there could be problems. Now, when I was in college, one of our professors said, there's four pillars of great faith. And whenever I heard things like that, I don't know if it was the budding preacher in me, which I didn't know was gonna happen in my life, I would write stuff down or I'd record it. Now that I have a cell phone, I get everything down I can. But I'm like, what are these? And he said, it's about trusting, believing, listening, and following. But more specifically, it's about trusting when something seems impossible. That's what great faith does. It's about believing when it seems incomprehensible. It's about listening when it seems improbable that this is the way to do it. And it's about following when it seems insurmountable and your fears are talking louder than your faith. I want you to remember those four points. They've been anchor points in my life and I've recalled them from time to time for they're built out of a verse of scripture that many of you have memorized. And this was a season where this young man was gonna have to have faith in me. I'm saying, just trust me, keep going. Are we gonna go to that part of the rapids? No, no, we're going that part. And that part I was saying was actually worse. I'm like, you gotta just trust me, keep going. I don't, I don't know about this. He's yelling. I'm like, just keep going. Hey, when we, get to the, when we get to the rapids, make sure you keep paddling. That's very key. We don't wanna become a standstill. We're gonna shoot right through. Okay, so right side, right side. Pound it, bud. Pound it, Jay. He pounded, like pound it. And he was strong, so we, we move. I'm like, oh, I'm very good, actually, right? Like, okay, left side. We get on the left side. Okay, stay with me. Right side. And he goes, rock. I'm like, it's all right. And I'm steering. Rock. I said, that's all right. He stops his paddle. I'm like, no. Rock. Rock. I'm like, no. Do you ever have a moment in life where everything slows down? Rock. And he does the unthinkable. 
Right, he stands up in the front of the canoe. Six, two, six, three, 200 pounds in the front of my canoe, standing up in rapids. Out we went. I mean, we flipped. I could see he hit something as we flipped. I went into the water, and fortunately, we had our life jackets because back in the 90s, that was optional. And I had mine on, and I had my own. We won't go into that, but, but I had my own, and I swam to him. I just went into immediate save mode. I didn't care about the canoe or anything. I'm like, I gotta get to this boy. I don't even know how well he swims. And he is flailing in the water as I arrived to him, and I can tell he's got some blood on his face, so I know he's been hit by something, I grab him, and now he is just like this dead weight, waving, and I'm getting him over to the rap. I get him onto a rock. We're sitting there. I'm like, man, you, got, you didn't trust me, man. You didn't. Why'd you stand up? And we, he's trying to go, ah, ah, ah. I'm like, we're going to be fine. We're going to be fine. I'm like, how are we going to be fine? I don't even know. I'm going to get that canoe down there and help him. And fortunately, another leader came along who rescued us, and we were able to get down there. And I said, Jeffrey, you got down the rapids. And he said, yeah, big smile. <laughs> it wasn't the way we expected it. No, no, no. It wasn't the way I would have planned. No, no, no. I don't know if we would have gone if I had known it was going to be like this. No, probably not. But that's what faith does. Faith gets us through situations that we can't believe we got through. That's what the wall of Jericho is about. The wall of Jericho is kind of a symbol to us of something that is impossible. The wall of Jericho, it, it, it speaks to something that's incomprehensible. It's impossible. It, it's that thing in life where you've gone, God, I don't know how I'm gonna get through this. I don't even see a path. It's incomprehensible. Look, look, even in my wildest dreams, I don't see any way that this could turn around. It's, it's improbable. I know what you're saying, and I know we gotta have faith, but it's really improbable that this could ever happen. What are some of those things? I can't see my wayward child turning back to Christ. I can't see this marriage being restored. I can't see this country having a revival. I can't see, I can't, I can't come up with one possible path for any of these things to happen. And it's those times in our life where we say, I don't know how I'll get through this. I don't know whether we'll get around this. I don't know. And to be honest with you, I'm losing hope. I'm growing more and more fearful by the day. I'm getting more and more discouraged. And to be honest with you, Chris, I'm just a little bit proud of myself I got into church today, let alone have Jericho faith. Well, then maybe it's possible the Lord brought you in this morning for even such a time as this. For today, we're marching around Jericho. And we're gonna learn some of the characteristics of Jericho faith that might help you through your seemingly impossible. Would you pray with me? We value the word tremendously at our church. Let's take a moment to pray and get our hearts right so we can receive it. Heavenly Father, use your word today to inspire 
anyone who might be feeling discouraged. Lord, would you use your word today to inspire anyone who might be feeling a little overwhelmed? Lord, would you use your word to inspire anyone who's facing something that they just feel is impossible? They're, they're wondering if they should even keep praying. It's, it's just so overwhelming to them. Lord, I pray today you would use this text to remind them that they pray to the same God that Joshua prayed to. And they pray to the same God of Jericho. And Lord, may they remember that in whatever wall they're facing today. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. At the end of chapter five, the end of chapter five, there was a scene I told you, it was kind of like a scene out of a movie, if you will, and, and, and Joshua is outside the camp at Gilgal, and he's walking around Jericho. Now, I wonder, he was a commander, was he looking at the walls going, you know what, I might want to attack this angle. Maybe we'll come around this side. Oh my word, these walls are impenetrable. I mean, how on earth are we going to do this? I wonder what God's game plan is going to be. For his men are still recovering from what God had asked them to do at Gilgal, and now it's getting close to time to attack the city of Jericho, right? And this man shows up with his sword drawn. Joshua sees him, walks towards him and says, are you for us or are you for our adversaries? And the man says, no. Interesting answer. You see, we learned something. This is the commander of the Lord's army. This is Jehovah Sabaoth. This is the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. Before he came as a baby, he is eternal. And these Christophanies we see in the Old Testament are the angel Lord. And one of the verifiers is, will they receive worship? For angels did not receive worship. And this commander of the Lord's army says, no. And Joshua falls on his knees. And he says, what can I do to serve you? What can I do to please you, if you will? I mean, Joshua is only concerned, how do I please Jehovah Sabaoth? And he says, take off your shoes. This is holy ground. We learn something from that encounter. Joshua, it's not whether God is on your side. In fact, we pulled this. We said, it is not whether God is on our side, it is whether we are on his. Why? Because you're about to face a battle, this commander knows, that you can't overcome without him. Now, in one of the more unfortunate chapter breakups, it begins chapter six, but there's a continuation of this account and scripture says that Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. Jericho is bunkered down. And if you know anything about the, the aspects of Jericho, they could be in there a while. In fact, this was part of their battle strategy to hunker in and live off of the produce they have already inside the city walls. These massive city walls, I'm wondering if they were built because they knew about this Israelite 
nation that has this God that parted the Red Sea. Remember Rahab? We heard about your God that he parted the Red Sea. I wonder if Jericho was built up even more. It was already built, but he built up even more because of this. And maybe this was the moment they knew might come years later. But Jericho is bunkered in. And the commander of the Lord's army says, see, I have given Jericho into your hands with its mighty king and mighty men of valor who are all currently hiding in the city. Terrified. Scripture told us their hearts are being melted. Okay, they go, did you just see that nation came across the river? We've got soldiers walking towards us. They're bunkered in. They're inside Jericho. And the commander says, see, I have given it. It doesn't say I'm about to. This thing's done. I've given to it. All you got to do is go claim it. But it's going to take faith. Because how I'm going to tell you to do it is going to be strange. How I'm going to tell you to do it is going to be impossible when it comes to man. You will leave no doubt. I am going to leave no doubt that this is God. And so I thought, is this a moment of Jericho faith? A moment where the commander of the Lord's army is going to call Joshua to go, just trust me, just believe me, just listen to me, and just follow me, and you're going to be fine. Why? Because listen to the marching orders that are given to Joshua. And you tell me if this makes sense. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus you shall do for six days. Okay. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. Okay, let me write this down. You want priests bringing ram's horns. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. March around once for six days, seventh day seven times, bring the priests, bring the Ark of the Covenant. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout and the wall of the city will fall down flat and the people shall go up, everyone, straight before him. Seventh day, seven, seven times around and yell, walls come down. It's exactly what I was thinking we would do. I'll go tell the commanders. <laughs> See, y'all read this in your 21st century minds going, oh, of course, well, Joshua was a Bible guy. He didn't know he's a Bible guy. Nobody's home. You're a Bible guy. Just say, behold, and thou shalt, and it all happen. <laughs> we shall walk around. We're Bible guys. No, nobody told them. And so he's a, this is like asking somebody to build an ark. What? Don't get caught up in our familiarity with the story. Wait, wait, what? This is going to take you trusting because this is going to be impossible. This is going to take you believing me because this is going to be incomprehensible what's about to happen. This is going to take you listening to me because I have very specific instructions that must be followed. 
You're gonna be tempted to do things your way. Stay on my course and follow me. And I'm gonna make your path straight before you. Wow. So off to Jericho, Joshua goes. Imagine walking towards that city, wondering what God is about to do. He's gonna tell the people what to do. And so let's get a better feel of this. Jericho was not that biggest city, but it was a powerful city. It had an outer wall and an inner wall. They built houses along the outer wall. Those were people who didn't have the wealth of those in the inner wall where the king would live and the more people of wealth. But this city was so fortified with its beautiful palm trees, it was called the city of palms at times, and it had springs running through the walls that could allow them to bunker in for not months at a time, years at a time. On top of that, it wasn't that big a city, coveraging about about eight acres, but it was a powerful city. It was the epicenter, if you will, of this promised land in the area of power with its gigantic walls, some 25 feet high. To give you an idea, if you're in the building with us, the peak of the roof about. I mean, this is two walls stacked on top of each other with the retaining wall, and God's saying, I want you to walk around it and yell, and we're good. Joshua had a lot more faith than we give him credit for, don't, doesn't he? Imagine going back to your great commanders who are standing there with their swords ready to go to war and going, all right, guys, here's the game plan. And that's exactly what Joshua does. Have you ever been willing to look like a fool for the sake of Jesus? Joshua was. For this plan he's about to roll out, is absolutely crazy. Look at this, scripture says this. So Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, take up the Ark of the Covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. And then he said to the people, go forward, march around the city and let the armed men pass on before the Ark of the Lord. And Joshua and just as Joshua had commanded the people, scripture says, the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord went forward, blowing the trumpets with the ark of the covenant of the Lord following them, the armed men were walking before the priests who were blowing the trumpets and the rear guard was walking after the ark while the trumpets blew continually. But Joshua commanded the people, you shall shout, excuse me, you shall not shout, or make your voice heard. Neither shall any word go out of your mouth until the day I tell you to shout, then you shall shout. And so he caused the ark of the Lord to circle the city, going about at once, and they came into the camp and spent the night at the camp. You notice he does not tell them how many days they're going. Do you notice he doesn't say, don't worry guys, the seventh day will go seven times? He just says, do this, and they follow him. Hey priests, come here, grab the Ark of the Covenant, walk around the city one time, and they follow him. This was an obedient generation, but this generation has to be silent. For Joshua said, do not make a voice heard until I tell you to shout. Now, how many of you go back in your mind and think they were only quiet when they walked around the city? There's no indication of that. All indications are Joshua did not let them talk for seven days. And all the parents of toddlers in the church said, amen. We need a Jericho in our house. 
I remember being at camp and the speaker got done sharing the gospel. Kids, tears were coming down. Kids were crying. And the speaker, one of the young college guys came up afterwards. He said, everybody go back to your cabins. Your counselors are going to give your testimony. And I want everybody, when you walk back to your cabin, no talking tonight. Just walk back in silence. Now, normally the way back was tickling, flirting, giggling, fooling around, messing around. But that night, we all walked back to our cabins, quiet. It was one of the more powerful things I've ever experienced. A group of people committing to silence. Because what happens when you're silent? You have time to think. What happens when you're silent? You have time to learn. And this group of people have time to learn. They went back to camp that night, and as night falls, I started asking myself, what were some of the questions I wonder what were going through their head? Maybe even Joshua's head. Maybe questions they wanted to ask Joshua. Maybe one specifically was, march around the city for seven days? Why seven days? Can I ask you a question? Could God do it in one day if he wanted to? God created the heavens and the earth in six days. On the seventh day, he rested. Have you ever thought about this? Do you think it was because he was tired? No. God is always teaching, especially when you see the number seven. When you see seven in scripture, know this, God is teaching. So I have lessons to learn. And so I got out my journal and said, I want to find seven lessons on seven trips around Jericho that I can take with me in my life in case there's a time where God calls me to Jericho faith. Think about it. They didn't go around the city one time, and then as they got back, the dads went, hey guys, go play some video games. Tomorrow morning, same time. Nobody was like, hey, are we going breakfast tomorrow? Are we gonna go walk around first? Like, hey, ooh, that was hot today. What do you think? Should we do it a little bit later in the day tomorrow? No, no, they did the same thing every day and there's silence because there is reverence to this. They're about to be taught something. So I wrote down in my notes, just press on. Joshua said, go forward. When you're facing the impossible, when you're facing something that's incomprehensible, when you're facing something improbable, when you're facing something insurmountable, when you get the phone call and your hand is shaking and you don't know what to do and it crushes you onto the couch, when the doctor says, I need you to sit down, I want to share something with you. When you, you see that young person drive out of your driveway knowing they're driving away from the Lord, not towards the Lord, and it crushes you, and you're overwhelmed. When you see the state of where you're at, when you're feeling overwhelmed, Jericho faith, mark it down. Just press on. Just go forward. Nothing's gonna happen with us stopped. So those times when we're living in uncertainty, move forward. We're reminded in the New Testament, but one thing I do, Paul says, forgetting what is behind, straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I remember being alongside somebody who got some horrible news. And I remember hearing him say, well, I don't know what to do, but I just gotta keep 
moving forward. Jericho faith, just press on. Day two, Joshua rose early in the morning and the priests took up the ark of the Lord and seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord walked on and they blew the trumpets continually. They get up day two and the same thing happens. Imagine being inside Jericho. Here they come. Here they come, right? Here they come. They're coming around. Yesterday, all they did was walk around. It wasn't like, there wasn't like a reporter on the walls. Okay, I heard they're going seven times around the seventh day. They're gonna, nope, there was no updates. What is going on? Day two starts up. Joshua gets up early. I love that. He's anticipating what's gonna happen. And the armed men, scripture says, were walking before them. And the rear guard was walking after the ark of the Lord while the trumpets blew continually. And the second, they marched around the city once on the second day and returned into the camp. And as night fell, I started asking myself, I wonder if anybody's thinking this. Why one time around each day? Why not go seven times every day? You say, well, because of that. Yeah, but they didn't know that. So how many people were wrestling with that? Why are we going around one time and then we're done? I think there's a lesson here. One day at a time. Is that scriptural? So I put in my notes, here's a second thing Jericho faith does. It just does today. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has enough trouble in itself. Sufficient is the day. It has enough trouble in its own. Some of you will waste the entire evening tonight worried about 2032. You weren't called to do that. But I'm looking at my app here and it's trending, and now, I mean, everything, everything's embellished now. I mean, we don't have thunderstorms anymore. We have thunderstorms that are smashing the East Coast. I mean, I'm about to read light rain smashing Percocet. Like, light rain's now smashing us. <laughs> smashing. Get inside! It's light rain smashing everyone. Everything is to get us like this. Just do today. When you're facing something overwhelming, aren't we so quick to get frustrated in our prayer life? It's been 15 years of this person walking away from the Lord. God, I want you to fix it tonight. Hey, I bet we just do today. Jericho faith does one day at a time. When you're facing something insurmountable, when the doctor's report says this, it is encouraging to know that you're walking with great faith to just do today. Don't, don't do what could happen six months from now. Even if it's a possibility, just do today. They get up the third day. Joshua wakes up early. The priests go before the ark of the Lord, go in the seven trumpets, and all scripture says is they did the same thing for six days. But I push back against that as a reader. And I go, this was a full week. There was a lot of lessons to be learned. So I'm gonna go in my head and I'm gonna read the account over for each day. Because we read this in a minute, but there's so much juice if you think about it for seven days. Day three, Joshua wakes up early. The priest took the ark of the Lord. The priest went before with the seven trumpets and the ram's horns, blowing the horns continually. And the armed guards walking before them. And then they returned to base camp again on day three. And I wonder if anybody asks, why did we bring the ark? How many of my biblical scholars here going, 
God didn't let them take the ark into battle. That was always kind of a, a no-no. In fact, they got in trouble for that one time for taking the ark. Why are they marching alongside the ark? Well, what did the ark symbolize? The ark symbolized God's presence with them. It's as if God's saying, I want a visible symbol of my presence going with you around the city each day. When you're facing something insurmountable, I wrote this down, just take courage. That's what Jericho faith does. Why? Because the Lord is with them. He wanted them to know when you're facing the incomprehensible, I'm with you. The enemy's gonna lie to us and say, you're all alone. God's going, this is the time when you need me the most. Deuteronomy 31.8 says, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. God is with you. Take courage. That's Jericho faith. Day four. What do you think about day four? Anybody can do something for a day. Sometimes you can even diet for two days. Have you ever done that? Maybe three, but day four, we're gonna find something out about you. It's a cheat day, right? I mean, we can barely hold up, right? Now day four, you start going, we're really doing this again. Yeah, you're really doing it again. God is teaching. So Joshua rose up early. They got the trumpets. The priests went out and forth and they walked around the ark before him and the armed men around the thing. What are you thinking inside Jericho? on day four, what's going on here? How many days they are gonna do this? I bet fear is building and building and building because all they hear is like the siren of like a tornado coming outside and it's going around them and then going back silently except for the horns. I remember a basketball game. We were in the warm-up line on the road against an undefeated basketball team. We already felt we were gonna lose and then warmups happen and we knew it. <laughs> we're finishing our lab, we're doing all this and their song started up. And the crowd started clapping and we're like, what's going on? But we're trying to act like we're not watching. So we're finishing our labs going, what is going on? And the doors open and that undefeated team, they normally come running out, right? And they run around their half circle and then they start their layup line. They didn't do that. They came walking out, just looking at us. Stop looking at me, just looking at us. Like this is over, by the way. And they're walking out and the crowd's clapping to each one of their steps. I went by my buddy. I said, we're done, aren't we? He goes, oh yeah, this will be bad. And we were. And they got all the way around and they started running and dunking all this stuff. And, and, and the game got out of control early. But there's an intimidation factor that God is building because he is in control and this is going to be his battle. And so they go around for four days and they get back. Does anybody raise their hand and say, why are the priests here? If you're going into war, you never took the priests. The Israelites never took the priests. It's like, hey, we're going to war. Nobody's calling up Pastor Chris. No, why do we want him? What's he gonna do, encourage us? Like, we need to fight. I'm calling the Navy SEAL up. I'm, calling the, I'm, I'm getting the guys that are at war. And Joshua goes, get the priests, send them in. Priests are like, really, us, what? What's God doing? What are you doing, God? We're going to battle, right? You're acting like, like this is like a procession. It's almost like you're acting like the victory's already won. 
Send the priests in. So I wrote down on my notes, it doesn't matter if it makes sense to you. Just obey orders. Just obey orders. Deuteronomy reminds me, it is the Lord our God. You must follow and him you must revere. Keep his commandments and obey him. Serve him and hold fast to him. Sometimes it's not gonna make sense what you're going through. Sometimes you're gonna wanna change course. Sometimes you're gonna go, God, I don't like your timing. I've been out here for four days. Just keep obeying. I did. I, 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 I tried faith. I tried religion. I went like two straight Sundays. You see, there's a lesson to be learned in perseverance that he doesn't want them to miss. Where are you tempted? You have been obeying God, but you're tempted. You're ready to bail because something happened. Just keep obeying. That's Jericho faith. Day five, Joshua rises early. They march around the city. The trumpets are blowing. They get back to camp. Does anybody ask, why are we blowing ram's horns? Did you read that? It says ram's horns. And all my Hebrew scholars go, they normally blew silver trumpets when they were in battle. Ram's horns, that's more of a religious instrument. In fact, a ram horn would be blown at the year of Jubilee. You go, year of Jubilee, where have I heard that? Behold, he comes, right? Y'all like saying that. It's the year of Jubilee. After seven cycles, they'd celebrate the year of Jubilee and they'd have these ram's horns, which were shofars. This one I had a, a buddy give me. I've been really working on it. Let's see how I do here. Let me try this. Ah, oh, hey, oh, sorry. <laughs> I told you he was a fraud. I told you. I can't blow the thing. It's a Millie Vanilli moment for you 1990s people. <laughs> Why are they blowing that? Yeah, you don't blow that in battle. You blow that in celebration. God, what are you doing? You think Joshua's going, oh, see what you're doing here. Just keep, what? Worshiping. Just worship. One of the greatest weapons through an insurmountable situation, through an incomprehensible battle, is to worship through it. Psalm 71, 14 says, but I will hope continually. I love that. They blew the horns when? Continually. And I will praise you yet more and more. You going through a difficult time? Check. Check your playlist. You need worship on it. Because you're gonna need to worship through this because the enemy's gonna be coming in hot with voices. Who knows, maybe by day five, people are yelling over the Jericho walls. You coming in or not? I'm not gonna let you just walk around. We don't know. Keep worshiping. No talking. Blow the horns. Keep blowing them. Go around the city. Just keep worshiping. Who needs this? I've dealt with people that have been very discouraged and depressed places in life. And you will not believe how much they battle listening to worship music. It's almost like the enemy's got a stronghold there. I say, gotta hear it. You need to hear those songs. Keep worshiping. It's how you get through Jericho. Day six, they get up. We're getting really close. Joshua rises early day six. 
They're getting determined now. The priests, they get out in front. They're blowing their horns continually. They're walking around the walls and they return. Tomorrow, they must be laying in the camp going, seven times tomorrow. Seven times the seventh day. But many scholars would tell you if the case of the Passover and then seven days, this would mean that they're marching the seventh day on the Sabbath. You don't march Israelites on the Sabbath, God. I mean, the Sabbath was pointing towards Jesus Christ, the Lord of the Sabbath. I mean, you don't do that, right? Or do you? What will happen tomorrow? I wonder if Commander Joshua's going seven times, God, seven times. It's eight acres. It's believed it took about 45 minutes to an hour to march that many Israelites around it. So seven times, God, we're gonna be out there for a while. We're gonna be out there like seven hours underneath the walls. I'm really putting my gods in a vulnerable spot. I mean, at some point, they're gonna seize this moment to attack, right? You think any of these thoughts were going through his head like a normal human being would be thinking? Seven times, God, I'm gonna see great things. They're not talking to one another. There's no communicating. And tomorrow, we'll march seven times. I put in my journal, just keep trusting. No matter what you might anticipate tomorrow, just keep trusting. Can I share one of my favorite verses of scripture? I think it's very good for the season we're living in right now. Psalm 112, seven and eight. It says this of the man of faith. He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steady. He will not be afraid until he looks in triumph on his adversaries. The man of faith doesn't look into the future go, I'm afraid of bad news coming. It's only a matter of time. He's not afraid of it because he knows God's with him and he keeps trusting. He's pressing on. He's just doing today. He's taking courage. He's obeying orders. He's worshiping and he's trusting. But fear might be building for tomorrow's the day. The sun comes up and they all get up with Joshua, it looks like. On the seventh day, scripture says this, they rose early at the dawn of the day and they marched around the city in the same manner seven times. It was only on that day they marched around the city seven times. I wonder if anybody's marching going, what's up with that red cord hanging out of that window there? I've been marching around here for seven days. I've seen that red cord every day. When I can talk again, I'm gonna ask Joshua about that red cord. What's that about? For there was somebody hanging a red cord watching them go around. There was somebody in there possibly trembling going, is this gonna work? It's impossible, right? They're just gonna crush us all. They're not gonna remember probably. It's gonna take tremendous trust for her to hold on. It's gonna take tremendous belief for her family members to stay in that house. Just stay in here. Just listen. Rahab said that the spies said, just stay. It's gonna take Jericho faith inside that wall. It's gonna take to her to keep trusting. And who knows, maybe the sun was about to go down when they finished up the seventh. And at the seventh time, when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the city, and the city and all that is within it shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. And then he adds, only Rahab the prostitute 
and all who are with her in her house shall live because she hid the messengers whom we sent. But you keep yourself from the things devoted to destruction, lest when you have devoted them, you take any of the devoted things and make the camp of Israel a thing for destruction and bring trouble on it. If you know what the word foreshadowing means, there's your definition of it. For join us in the coming weeks of our summer series when we talk about what was done and specifically why those devoted things were so important. Joshua continues, says, but silver and gold and vessel of every bronze iron and are holy to the Lord and they shall go into the treasury of the Lord as if a tithe is to be given to him. And so scripture says, here's the moment. I'm sure some of those men of war are like, I'm about to yell. I've been quiet for a long time. So the people shouted and the trumpets were blown. So the people shouted and the trumpets were blown. I mean, there's been many movies made to try to recapture what that must have been like, but there's no way to fathom the sound, the power, the awe of the fact that nothing hit the walls. It was a shout. And the walls fell down flat. And scripture says this, As soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout and the wall fell down flat so that the people went up into the city. Every man, look, straight before him and they captured the city. I wrote down in my notes, I think we all learned this already, nothing is impossible with God. Can you think of a few impossible things? Write them down this afternoon. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's a current disease you're struggling with. What if God's calling you to a Jericho? The reality is, it's not always that. Sometimes the Lord calls our loved ones or even us home. But some of you have already gotten to witness some really neat miracles in your life. And those are those seasons of life where it demands Jericho faith and a trust and a belief and a listening, obedient ear and a following heart that believes nothing is impossible with God. And so my final point, I put just march quietly. Another one of my favorite verses in scripture, it's Lamentations 3.26. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Why? Because we tend to want to talk a lot. We tend to want to complain a lot. And each day, God has given them something to do. 
This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. It doesn't say, this is the day the Lord has made. I hate the time period I'm living in. I don't like the prospects of the future. I'm frustrated with everything in my life, so I will complain and be mad in it. Doesn't say that. But the enemy is tricking a lot of us Christians into doing that. And we're losing today when God has a lesson just for today and then one tomorrow and then the following day. Are you willing to march quietly to see the salvation of the Lord? Seven lessons of seven days. Just press on, just do today, just take courage, just obey orders, just worship, just keep trusting, just march quietly. So much better than a just do it faith. That's a Jericho faith. And the Lord of the Sabbath was with them as they went around seven times, completing the seven cycles, and blew the horns of Jubilee. You know, scripture talks about another time when there'll be a shout and a trumpet. It's in 1 Thessalonians chapter four. It's talking about a snatching away, which in Latin means rapturo. It talks about a time. And, and make note of this, sevens are very very important in scripture. There's a 70-week prophecy in Daniel. Some of you watched our Daniel series. 69 weeks have been prophesied and fulfilled. There's one more week. It's made up of seven years. Scripture talks of it as a time of tribulation. Preceding it, there's a verse that speaks of a time when the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of of a trumpet of God. Seven carries a lot of weight in scripture. And here we see the Lord of the Sabbath commanding a blowing of a trumpet and a shouting. Oh, I pray that day is drawing near when we hear the shout of an archangel. The wall of Jericho. Is anyone in here facing something? Fighting parents that you're worried it's not gonna last. Dying grandparents that has you up all night. Maybe an addicted loved one you don't see a way out. Maybe a wayward child you've been begging the Lord. Is there something you've deemed impossible that maybe God's calling you to Jericho faith versus a walk away faith. Maybe it's considering the things of faith for stories like this are so hard to believe for we don't see this kind of thing. Jesus Christ came and he fulfilled the law and established a time of grace that we get to live in. And I'd love to see a Jericho, but we see God working in very different ways, but sometimes just as obvious. There are many people who do struggle to believe this story, and that's why archeological sites exist. You know the city of Jericho isn't a myth. The city of Jericho is already an archeology span site amidst modern technology, for it's one of the oldest cities on earth. 
They did archeological studies on this and they found that the city was strongly fortified just as the biblical record. It was attacked at harvest time, just like the biblical record. Foodstuffs, they call it, remained. In other words, food wasn't carried out of this. This was bunkered down in the archeology. span Evidence of a quick siege existed. Walls were leveled and had fallen down. And walls were not, excuse me, and it was not plundered by invaders. And the city had been burned, according to what is seen in the biblical record. Now, there are critics of archaeological studies of this, as well as biblical supporters of it. And you have differing accounts all the way across the board. But what we see is how much of the archaeology backs up the biblical record to a T. In fact, in 1990, a re-review of the study showed even more that the dates that are given in scripture align up a lot more than what was even thought by the critical archeological records. But I don't need archeology span to believe Jericho. I got a buddy who says, I don't need that to have faith that Jonah was swallowed by a whale. He says to me, if the Bible said Jonah swallowed the whale, I'd believe it. But yet, young people, people will believe blog posts more than they will scripture that's been around for 2,000 years with over 10,000 transcripts backing it up. They'll believe the latest blog posts. And when people say, I've been doing my research about this, do you know what they mean? They've been typing stuff in on Google laying in their bed. That's researching now. No checking of uh, no, no checking of sources, no quantifying amounts, and the same person without credentials can post something, and because you live in a world of algorithms, ask your technological friend, they can rise those things up to the top, and if you've clicked on it once, you'll get more that serve for the confirmation bias that people want. And we buy hook, line, and sinker into what we want to believe when the reality is it takes faith to believe scripture. I know how the walls of Jericho fell down. Scripture tells me. You say how? It says right here. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given them a friendly welcome with the spies. And I also know something about faith. If you want to please God, if he walks up to you and you say, whose side do you want, God? Are you on my side or my adversaries? And he says, no. And you fall down and go, what do you want from me? He says this, without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. There are four pillars that I've used in my life that refined and defined Jericho faith. You're not gonna remember my seven points but you remember those pillars. And in case you just think they're built off of some guy's thoughts, let me give you a verse that you can always remember for a time when you might be called to a Jericho, something insurmountable, something overwhelming. Here's a verse, I wonder if you know it. Trust, trust in the Lord with all your heart, not some of your heart. Trust in God's word with all of your heart, not some of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Believe. 
Lean not on your own. I don't know if I can understand this. I'm trying to make sense of this. You know, if I could just get a few more thoughts on this. I'm trying to make sense. Lean not on your own understanding. But if I can make sense of this, lean not on your own understanding. It's not gonna make sense that walls fell down. Don't lean on that. Trust, believe, listen, listen. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Everything you do in life, by prayer and petition, go to the Lord, acknowledge him. Isn't it interesting, the walls fell down and the word is used straight. Follow, and he will make your path straight. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Let that verse anchor you for Jericho faith the next time you've been hit with the insurmountable, the impossible, the overwhelming. For it's those words that have carried me in some of those moments in my own life. Trusts, even if it's impossible. Jericho faith believes, even when it's incomprehensible. Jericho faith listens, even though it's improbable. Jericho faith follows, even though it might be insurmountable. Heavenly Father, if there's anyone in here today that is just going through something that is so hard and so tough, I pray that some of these lessons we pulled from this march will encourage them in those moments where doubt's trying to creep in. Lord, I pray for the young people, especially in this room. They're gonna be made fun of for their faith. They're gonna have to walk at times and have people laugh. I pray for the businessmen in this room. They're gonna have to make decisions people don't always like. It's gonna feel overwhelming at times. I pray for the moms in this room. They're making decisions for their families and it's gonna feel insurmountable at times. I'm praying for the grandpas and grandmas. They're watching some of their friends pass away. They're watching life moving forward and they're, and they're feeling a little hopeless. Lord, call them to a Jericho faith. It just keeps going forward. that just keeps obeying, that keeps believing and trusting, and remains quiet knowing there's no point complaining, pointing fingers or blaming. This is the day the Lord has made and I'll blow my ram's horn. I'll praise him through it. That's what Jericho faith looks like and Lord, we desperately need more people to walk in the faith you've given us and so, Lord, give us strength when we have little and help us to follow, even if it seems insurmountable. And just maybe, maybe you will use us for one of those moments when the walls come crashing down. Amen.